Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, the motorcycle podcast so bad we received an ASBO in Wales. We've been voted best motorcycle podcast five times by David Caruso impersonators across the globe. Check us out on patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out how you can support the show. All right. With no further ado, let's get into this week's topics, this week's shows, this week's arresting conversations. Ah, hell, I'm out of here. Who am I fooling? Welcome back. This is uh, the very first episode of Creative Writing for 2020. Welcome back, a little hot dog. Oh, I almost said hot dog. I won't say that again. <laughs> I learned my lesson. Uh, yeah, everybody, welcome back. This is going to be um, a junk pile. Uh, should I call this? What should I call this? Episode, really? Should I call this 204? I think I am. I'm going to call this 204. It is going to be a junk pile, though, if you hadn't listened to the show last year, you know, my little junk piles are kind of the side episodes where I just give you, um, my input on stuff and all that great, great things that are happening around the creative writing studios, motorcycle, uh, potosphere and, and all that great stuff without the input of the two yahoos, uh, Jay and Wiggins. Um, I do want to say, I hope everybody had a wonderful new year, uh, holiday, whatever, whatever you had, whatever holiday you celebrated, um, and whatever time you ring in the new year, I hope it was amazing. I got to tell you, it was amazing for me. I did not put a show out last week, although I was gonna. Uh, Jay and I went on a ride on Saturday, so instead of putting a show out Friday, I thought, hell, I'll wait one day. We'll go on a little ride. We'll record a little bit, and then I'll put the show out on Saturday instead. Well, what happened was um, I was headed out of town the next day, so... Decided to enjoy myself. Uh, I celebrated a birthday, uh, so now I am officially 176 years old, and uh, I feel I don't feel a day over like 93. I got to tell you, feeling really great about it. Uh, I hope everybody that had birthdays. We had quite a few people uh, from. Well, the only two I really, really know is uh, Jason Goldmeyer. We are birthday cuñados, and uh, John from uh, the Loud Pipe Show. He is, uh, his his birthday's a day after mine. So I just wanted to wish him, I think he's like, he's really young though. I think he's only like 44. So he's about a third of my age, if my math's right. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I just wanted to, actually it's like a fifth of my age, I think. Um, just wanted to tell everybody uh, once again, I really, really hope you all had a good uh, 2020, we're we're rocking and rolling. We're ready to get stuff going uh, for this year, for 2020. Uh, next week, Wigs and Jay will be in the studio with me. There's been quite a few changes, um, and I, I wanted to bring some of those up now while I'm thinking about them and let you know what's going to be new for 2020. Well, first off, uh, we added a Patreon tier. We had a couple of people bail. Uh, two supporters bail last year. Um, one of them I know is doing their own podcast and you got to go check it out. 
and um, it's called So You Want to Ride. He's also on like two other podcasts. So he, uh, the the time and money it takes to do these things, they don't do themselves, and they are certainly not free to make. And so uh, I applaud him and his efforts to bring you guys some more fabulous motorcycle content. And you should check it out. Check out those uh, podcasts. He's on Throttled. He's on So You Want to Ride. And I think he's got like 15 more. He's a real go-getter. And his name is Chris Geis. And so he quit supporting us last year. However, um, somebody stepped up into uh, doubled their Patreon support for us. And so I went ahead and made a new tier. I better check what I better check what's on that tier. I probably owe this person something. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So f- some of the things we're gonna do this year for the patrons only. We did a gift exchange for the holidays. I thought that'd be kind of fun. Uh, it was totally unmonitored. If you, uh, I, I drew names. I hooked everybody up one to one. Drew a little chart and made sure everybody had a name. Um, if you didn't get your present yet, that's on the person that was supposed to send you them. And maybe you can. Uh, when you get your present from them, finally, you can send them back a lump of coal and say, hey, man, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know what holiday you celebrate the, that I get my Christmas present in March. But, uh, you know, anyway, so our little gift exchange was was among patrons only. And another thing that's going to be patrons only is going to be an art challenge. And we already actually have <clears throat> our first uh, submission, if you can believe that. And that's going to be a bi-monthly. So uh, every two months, we're going to pick a winner. Um, and patrons can support, uh, are, are the only ones that can submit the art. Um, so yeah, if you got a sweet piece of art you want to submit, um, go over there, check out the rules. And I put, it, I think I put it as a sticky on our Patreon page. So we already have a, a, at least one really cool uh, piece of art. I think I was on our Patreon page the other day. I didn't see any new ones, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I kind of got to be quick in this episode because there's a lot of stuff that happened last year and last decade. That's another thing I wanted to say is that we're branching out. You heard the new info. If you're, if you're on our you know, a podcast app and you're looking at our, our show art, you know, we changed the show art. Uh, we changed up a couple pieces of music there. We've changed a lot of stuff behind the scenes. So you won't see a lot of it happening, but, uh, the way we schedule and run the show is going to be a little bit different. The contributors that we have this year are going to be a little bit different. Um, and so there, there'll be a lot of stuff. I don't know if you'll notice it, especially if you're a first time listener. Uh, something else that changed is for our patrons only. I put the first 19 episodes behind a paywall. And so if you're not a patron, you won't be able to hear episodes one through 19. I felt like I had to leave number 20 because that was our very first Solstice Slam. And if, again, if you're listening to the show for the very first time, Solstice Slam, and which is like around the s- spring equinox actually, but equinox entry or equinox slam doesn't sound too great. That sounds like a, a credit checking agency, Equislam. Um, and we have so so basically Solstice Slam is a listener submitted show that happens around the spring equinox where we um yeah, it's just you enter your stuff. You you enter crazy stuff. Uh, that's as long as it's motorcycle related, it counts. And then you can win glorious prizes or just crummy ones that we can afford to give uh, via our generous patron support. And then the other one is Spooky Spokes, which happens around Halloween, Samhain. You know, whatever you whatever you. Uh, I forget what the other couple of the. <laughs> festivals that happen at that time of year, but whatever you, uh, uh, celebrate around the autumn harvest. Um, yeah, we got, you know, 
a, a really cool. We do like a spooky ride uh, listener submission show, and we've had some really good ones in the past. Last year, we had a really, um, really, really good guest who does uh, paranormal explorations come on the show right before that happened, leading up to that. So we've been very fortunate and um, had some really great great stories in the past. Um, what else is new for 2020? That's all I can think of right off the top of my head. And let's get into this week's show. Um, I, it's going to be a quickie and I'm just going to cover a few things that I don't have anybody else here to bounce stuff off with me. So I'm actually going to, you know, use other sources on this show, but we're going to be talking about the year in review and when everybody else comes on the show next week, maybe we'll talk about uh, our predictions for next year or maybe the next decade. That, that ought to be fun. But yeah, so I'm going to cover some things that happened last year plus the last decade now that we're heading into decade numero trace. All right, let's get into this week's show. All right, kicking off 2020. You know, every year I usually do the SoCal Norton Owners Club New Year's Ride to Newcomb's Ranch. And this year I did not. But Jay and I, uh, we said breaks as part of Word of the Week a couple weeks ago when we were all together in studio. And that led to us having to do a challenge. So she and I wrote, I was going to, did I already mention this? I might have cut this out already. She, uh, I was going to record an episode um, last week. I was out of town instead for my birthday. And uh, before I left, Jay and I fulfilled that challenge on a little ride up to Crystal Lake. And so let's play the audio for that before we get into everything that's shaken down over the uh, last decade and last year. Oh, yeah, that's loud. All right, I'm going to try and keep this easy so that uh, you don't hear my hands jiggling too much over the recorder. But Jay and I just got back from our fulfilling our balloon challenge. Thank you, Narissa, for um, basically uh, doling out the punishment for this week. And I believe it was Ray who had the word break or break. I think he did weather and weather, too. And we both said breaks on the... um, one of the last couple shows. So this today we went for a ride up to, um, we'll try to go to Crystal Lake Cafe. Jay, what did you think of Azusa Canyon Road? It was great. Too many slow cars. A uh, lot of snow. It was neat to see snow. I've never ridden past snow before, so that was a first for me. Uh, the air was crispy, and I layered properly, so it was excellent. I really enjoyed it. Next time, we'll make it up to the top. Yeah. And go a bit faster. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there were quite a bit of cars. On the way back down, even, um, there was a tree in the road that the Forest Service was cutting, so we had to, like, wait for that. So we didn't get to go to the top and get our hot chocolate. My dream was to go up there and uh, get hot chocolate and park up there since last time I went up um, the... Uh, there was no parking and so it was like oh crap so this time we don't know if there was parking up because there was ice on the road and we weren't going to chance it but yeah man uh the car parade was not very fun to to be behind to be the last float in the car parade kind of sucked and next time we go up hopefully there'll be a little less traffic there was a quite a yeah they 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 decided to cut a tree down right in the middle of the day when everybody was driving up (laughs) and down the hill so we were stuck for like 10-15 minutes just on the backing up traffic waiting for them to cut the the tree down 
That yeah. was fun. And then not only that, but we passed that tree on the way up. They were like pulling all those branches. I bet you they cut something out of the canopy because on the way up, all that stuff was on the side of the road there. And I bet you they cut one of the overhanging branches down into the road because there was a bunch of stuff. There was. Did you notice the sides of the road had obviously been graded with the mm-hmm. um, plowed? And there was like three plows that went up. Yeah, I saw those. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, it's just weird that they would do that on a Sunday. You would think they would do it maybe on a weekday when it's yeah. not as busy. I don't know. Yeah. Today's but, Saturday, right? Today's only it? Saturday, yeah. Oh, I was thinking I don't even know Good. It is. Yeah, <laughs> good. Good that you thought it was... Because now I'm worried that I'm, I should be out of town already. But yeah, man, that was fun. And uh, next time we head up, we'll have to take wigs with us. Even. And I, I have to say, it's quite ironic that the last balloon standing, the last balloon that has any little bit of life in it, was the yellow balloon that was on the back of my bike. So yeah. I kind of found that fitting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All of my balloons pop. I thought my bike was backfiring. And then I looked yeah. and, I, and I realized that I, my shadow had less and less balloons. Yeah, I just watched it. Like, after every little twisty... It, another balloon would pop and yeah. then by the time we got to the top it was the very last one and it just yeah. popped i have a feeling that a mixture of atmospheric pressure because we were going mm-hmm. up in altitude and cold because cold air is condenses so i think the cold air condensed all the air in my balloons put them right behind my exhaust and popped i don't know was it popping when it hit my exhaust yeah, or just popping it was okay. it would like tap it and then <laughs> okay that's what it was and that's why i thought it was backfiring and then so yeah I, I had one balloon left when we got up there and jay not irony i think this is symbolic <laughs> that the yellow the banana colored balloon has hung on till the very end but yeah man fun day overall rode down got a little grub and now jay's uh gonna snatch her present from bry viffer and head home but man what a good challenge what a, it was a good reason to get out and ride on an otherwise uh, probably not ride day yeah, it was great. Uh, tons of fun. Uh, definitely, we've got to do more of these yeah. in 2020. Yeah. Uh, I love doing doing little rides with friends. Yeah, hell yeah. And if we can get Ashley and Wiggins up there and do some lunch, that'd oh, be... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and not only that, but I sh- was sh- trying to show Jay the, um, the off-road park that's up there. <laughs> Hashtag future details coming. But yep, all right. But that's our ride report for our, our balloon challenge. We've done it. The word of the week that was break. Whoever sent that in, I applaud you, you asshole. And uh, <laughs> talk to you later. I had, I know I had to get up be, be earlier than I normally get up to. So I yeah. just got to say I'm doing it. I'm doing this for you guys. <laughs> I don't usually wake up early on the weekends or any day. I know. When, I, when I said 10, I was like, that means Jay's probably going to have to get up at the latest I had to get at up 8. Like a, yeah, 7.30. I hit oh the snooze God. about three times. But I was just like, you know what? I got to do it. Got to do it for the people. I envy your life. I've already been at work for like three hours by 7.30. All right. All right. Everybody uh, have a good and safe uh, Happy New Year. Actually, this will probably come out after New Year. So at any rate, we'll see you guys on a future show. Hey, you got any good sign-offs that are really meaningful? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, that was our ride report. That was a lot of fun. And I cannot wait until we get up there with Wiggins. We're going to do a little bit of a lunch ride up there. It's such a fun ride, and, and a lot of times you'll catch the guys from CSC Motorcycles and uh, or Shinya Kimura uh, taking a little test run up there. Azusa is just a really fun place to go. It hooks over to... Um, uh, sorry, I was itching my armpit. It 
scoots over to Glendora Mountain Road, which is really popular for uh, Southern California as well. Uh, so yeah, let's get into some of the stuff that's happened. Um, I have several different notes here, so I'm just going to start with this page right here. Um, the Simpson, the founder of Simpsons, not Simpsons the show, Matt Groening, but uh, the Simpson race helmet and Simpson uh, design has passed away. Um, f- apparently very controversial in the motorcycle world. Um kind of got adopted into the car world, but I was just looking at Simpson products a couple weeks ago. And this is why in 2020, I'm going to try and stay out of stuff. Anybody from the WIR top tens bikes list, which was a burgeoning uh, drag race list up there in Wisconsin can tell you when I tried to start help them like get a little head, a uh, little few eyes turned to their sport up there and what they were doing. I really thought it was cool. They were doing grudge and drags and, and real street drags and all stuff like that. And every single time I would mention it, someone would get killed. And then like Axel Hodges going to redo like an Evil Knievel jump or something last year. I forget. He was going to try and uh, break uh, one of Seth Enslow's records or something like that. And he ended up jumping and smashing his ankles. Like every time I talk about something, it just gets ruined. So I'm looking at the Simpsons, uh, Simpson uh, motorcycle gloves the other day and some of their cool motorcycle helmets that are actually really, if you like the Biltwell stuff, I think you would like the Simpsons stuff. But Simpson is oh, way more expensive. It has to be. It's a race, um, like meets race tech uh, approval. Um, but anyway... And the founder dies shortly after I read that. So I was like, man, what the hell? So in 2020, I'm going to try to keep my nose out of stuff and maybe let someone else do the announcing. I have always been uh, good luck for other people, but bad luck for myself. And whenever I mention something, everything goes to shit. So uh, I'm not going to mention anybody else in the news because I don't want any more businesses to uh, to fold. Uh, another thing that I have notes here for that I didn't get to... Um, was that Wiggins talks a lot of shit about people in the uh, flat track world, how they're just not cracked up to be twins riders. And to me, one of my favorite guys, the uh, the Prince of Peoria, the King Henry Wiles, who is a really good TT rider in AFT, he's going to singles for 2020. So all the shit that Wiggins is talking about, <laughs> about people uh, applies to him now too. So Corey Texter, Shana Texter, um, a couple other people that he's uh, talked about riding, not being able to ride twins. Henry Wiles finished second, I think, last season. Although he spent a decade before that finishing fifth or lower. So I understand going to singles for some dough uh, in this economy that's getting harder and harder to get sponsors and and uh, promote racing and make, uh, you know, although flat track's been taking off, I'm sure that the, the money thing behind the scenes stuff is still kind of nuts. Um, another thing I, I read about and I learned about that was, is, um, well, a while ago I had heard about um, – like your DNA taking over other people's DNA. When you shake someone's hand, your biome, actually I shouldn't say your DNA, but your biome, your germs that make up your body and that live on your body, when you shake someone's hand uh, and your two uh, chemical you know, bodies meet, um, I read this thing where this guy had shook like Neil deGrasse Tyson's hand and then they did like a little Petri swab of both of their palms. 
And the guy's biome had totally taken over Neil deGrasse Tyson's. Um, I think that's who it was. It could have been Bill Nye. It could have been anybody. But there was it was some scientist guy, and he shook hands with this interviewer. And the interviewer's uh, like biome and microbial makeup took over and like basically turned Neil deGrasse Tyson's into him. So I was talking to some people the other day about social things. And in the past, you know, if you lived in a town, I'm talking like the way past, not not anything within like the last hundred years, but way before that, your social makeup and your dependence on each other probably went a lot more deeper than just uh, being reliant to make the, uh, the tribe work, the village work, whatnot. You probably literally did have stuff in common with everyone around you because you were in constant contact with people and you were sharing your, um, your traits, your, your biological traits, your biomes, the little germs that lived within your community. And that's how people got wiped out, right? Well, what does that have to do with motorcycling? Well, let me tell you. Uh, I think that the more time you spend with people in the motorcycling community, obviously we're like bonded by that, right? We're bound by our love for two wheels. But actually touching and interacting with people, uh, I've heard a lot of people make resolutions for 2020 and they're going off the gram and they're going to quit buying stuff on Amazon and all that stuff. Well, that's all great. That's all technology. That's that's you becoming less of a, um, you know, basically a uh, Android anyway, you know, sort of like a cyborg or whatever. But actually touching and being in contact with other people and sharing our biomes and sharing our chemical makeups, I think it might. Uh, my thesis is that it could like positively impact people and now there's a chimera dna that i've that definitely proves that this is possible uh so on last podcast on the left that i heard this um little st- <clears throat> pardon me little story they did about a guy who had surgery i think it was spinal surgery and the bone marrow from the donor uh, is taking over this guy's DNA little by little by little. So every like 80s cheesy horror movie where you get a blood transfusion from a serial killer and you become the serial killer, uh, sounds like that actually kind of might be possible. And not that they're necessarily their traits, but a lot of the a lot of your personality and a lot of your traits and stuff like that do come from your DNA. So it is quite possible that people that know this guy could see that his over you know the next few years his attitude changes, his personality changes more than your personality sort of changes anyway. Uh, and wouldn't it be great if we could, you know, hey, I know George's. Lorenzo and I know that uh, Mark Marquez and Rossi and uh, Pedrosa, like most of the um, MotoGP guys, have had surgeries, and I'm sure they store their blood somewhere, right, or a little bit of the bone fragment somewhere. <clears throat> I'm not saying I'm going to crash on purpose and get that pl- implanted into me, but wouldn't it be rad just to have them get a spinal tap or whenever they do their blood tests for their anti-doping stuff, save a little bit of that and squirt it into us, and then let their DNA slowly take over. So soon you have Chimera DNA that's making. So Super riders. I don't know. That's my 80s movie plot um, for 2025. Um, The Long Way Up finished, which um, this is a remarkable thing because talking about the last decade and talking about the last last year, uh, throughout the last decade, and actually before, I think maybe the last movie was... 
before uh, before the last decade. I'm not 100% sure, but Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman rode around the globe. Then they rode up the gl- or rode down the globe uh, and long way around, long way down. And now they did long way up. And actually, yeah, I think the first one was 2007. So it was before last decade. Actually, it might have been 2004 and 2007. So it might have been they have they didn't do anything. They got lazy last decade. What the hell? So they finished out last decade by doing the long way up, and it finished here sometime after the IMS show. I thought they were maybe going to be making an appearance there, but they didn't. And they came through Texas east uh, from the east into. Um, California that way. So I'm hoping they got some primo Route 66 stuff. That would be really awesome. And then the last thing I wanted to say is I noticed that the American Heritage Cup vintage program uh, was announced by Moto America the other day. And I have to think, it's kind of like, do you remember last year we promoted something called the Heavy that our buddy from uh, Ramming Speed Racing and Classic Track Days was doing? Uh, it was up at Sonoma Raceway. It was the heavy. They were doing all the old sport bikes that raced with Arma and stuff like that. We're going up there to do, uh, be present and race during a super bike round. And now, uh, Moto America has announced that they're going to be having the American Heritage Cup vintage program and the bikes on there looked like, uh, the bikes from the heavy. And I think one of the rounds is going to be up at, uh, Laguna Seca Raceway or Sonoma, wherever they had the, um, wherever the heavy was at. It might have been it might have been Sonoma. Uh, but those are a couple notes off of this page that I have. Let me tear those up and get those away. Uh, let's get into this decade and last year in review. Let me pop up my notes here like a profesh. Um, so I got a couple things jotted down. I want to do the paper ones first. Um, so this last year, we'll talk about that first, and then we'll go we'll go over the decade. Um, so this last year, the long way up finished, which was phenomenal because not only was it a cool uh, trifecta to this radical. Uh, I really like long way round and long way down. It inspired a lot of people to get into motorcycling. To me, it was what made the BMW GS the penultimate uh, touring motorcycle for an ADV bike because before that. Nobody rode BMW GSs as, uh, as much as they do today, and as much as they are looked to as the uh, the gold standard of ADB bike. Uh, the other thing was that they did it on electric Harley Davidsons. So um, originally, they Triumph contacted them about it, and they and Triumph turned them down. Well, they they contacted Triumph. Triumph turned them down. Um, and then they went with BMWs, and the rest is history. And now everybody thinks of the BMW uh, R1200GS as the, you know, like I said, the pinnacle of the uh, ADV world. So hopefully, the, I can't wait to see this film because I want to see them do it on electrics and Harley Davidsons. I think that's going to be amazing. Um, this the American brand will be known for something cutting edge. You know, the live wire is about the most cutting edge thing coming out of America right now. Uh, speaking of this uh, last decade, we'll talk about that and why that was so sad. Uh, another thing that happened this year was the Zero SRF. This thing has, I know there's Energicas and I know there's Lightnings and plenty of other things that are probably a little bit faster and being used in. Uh, the Moto E World Cup here and there and different race series and whatnot. But listen, the Zero SRF, uh, the reason this is big is because it's been all over. It was in um, AMA magazine. Uh, It's been all over, um, you know, cycle news and and motorcyclists and all this stuff. A lot of people comparing other things to the SRF, even the other electric motorcycles. 
and most notably the Livewire, which got a lot of criticism, still is getting a lot of criticism actually because of the price point and the range where the SRF is blowing it out of the water by thousands of dollars. You can almost, can you almost buy two? I think you can maybe almost buy two SRFs. I forget if it's like 17 grand. If you buy the top notch one, it's, you're probably getting a little more parity to the, um, the live wire, but the live wire is still coming in right around 30 grand. So, um, for a lot less money, you can get a top-notch zero SRF, which is just blowing these numbers out of the water so far. And the bike looks beautiful and apparently handles beautiful. So that's a win this last year for zero. I really uh, thought that was really cool. Uh, some really sad things happened this last year. Gene Romero died. Arlen S. died. Uh, Ron Wood died. Carlin Dunn, of course, died. Um, Jesse Coombs uh, died, um, and the Notre Dame died. Uh, apparently, Notre Dame caught on fire, which was a, a reason to visit France for me. And go on a moto tour of France was to see some really crazy um, thousand years, what was it, thousands or at least hundreds of years old uh, architecture and history. And I just read that it may not be able to be restored. So uh, all these pieces of history, not only for motorcycles, but for locations that we think of as being epic rides. Um, and then I, I couldn't get away without mentioning this. Uh, this year has been very devastating for California as far as wildfires. And currently, this uh, as you're listening to this right now, Australia, half a billion animals dead. Um, they think that koalas, for some reason... Uh, I just heard today that koalas, they're kind of worried that they might be really, really, really close to extinction after this fire because it's wiped out uh, so much of their, um, you know, I guess their habitat, but also they're not, you know, they they aren't fast. Like you, I saw t herds, just tons and tons of kangaroos running from the fire. And they're a little bit faster than a koala. So if you're thinking of all the species that uh, Australia has, and every single one of them will kill you pretty much, even the kangaroos, um, uh, it's basically just kind of sad that about half a billion have died. It's such a such a diverse, um, uh, just a, such a biodiversity over there. And property and people, everything. And it's just it's terrible what's happening over there. Um, I can really empathize because... It's they're basically describing California um, within the last like eighteen months. So we've had a lot of fires here. Um, the other thing is that uh, this decade I thought would be kind of cool to talk about um, a lot of deaths in the motorcycle community this decade. Buell Buell folded I think twice last decade. Um, actually, yeah, 2010 is when Harley axed Buell, and then he came back twice, once as Eric Buell Racing and once as EBR, and failed both times, maybe twice as EBR because of the hero deal, which was, uh, I think he retained the name EBR, but he technically folded when, when that deal with hero went sour and then folded twice again. So I think Buell died four times this last decade. Um, victory folded after uh you know the indian brand started to take off a little bit better they had to focus on one or the other and it wasn't going to be victory victory had been around and was not making any sort of the headway that indian has been um, modus also folded and uh buell oh i'm sorry scully helmets folded um confederate folded um and as we know it 
not only is it the end of the the year for Pikes Peak, but the end of the decade and the end of an era because they announced after Carlin Dunn passed away this year that um, bikes are not going to be coming back and it probably is going to be permanent. We'll have to see. It's also the end of an era because Rennie Skaysbrook set a new record and will probably be the last motorcycle uh, record for Pikes Peak. Um, EBR folded, like I said, but came back as fuel. So fuel begins with motorcycles and bicycles. Um, Scully, pardon me, Scully helmets did fold, but they came back via the investors, uh, that wanted to, I think the brothers got sued, you know, the guys that were driving Lamborghinis and getting hookers every weekend. Um, obviously they got kicked out, but I do think that the investors and the stakeholders that had uh, sponsored them on Indiegogo or whatever Kickstarter decided, Hey, we've already invested this much money and we're going to go forward. So I think a, a good came out of both Buell folding and Scully helmets folding. Of course, Confederate folding came back as Curtis electric motorcycles. And, uh, what, else i can't think of anybody else that folded which is really good because we really need some wins in the motorcycle space um so yeah that's just my paper notes here now let's get to my my other notes okay so and i'm also going to talk about cycle news they had a really really good uh kind of you know i should probably talk about with with uh, somebody really smart that has been doing this for like 25 or 60 years first has to say because they had a really really good uh, 2019 year in review and rider of the year. So, uh, I'm not going to rip them off, but I will talk about some of the stuff that they talked about and they're looking back through the year. So, uh, there was a lot of, um, motorcycle battles all across. Um, you know, there was a lot of stuff in supercross and motocross, a lot of good battles in MotoGP this year, crazy battles at the Isle of Man. This is one of the most epic Isle of Mans that there's ever been. I think it was the wettest Isle of Man on record. And as such, the uh, qualifying and the, like the whole TT fortnight was pushed back by like days and the, some of the races were cut short. So it was really, really interesting uh, Isle of Man this year. Um, one for the record books. And just a good way all around to end the the decade. Some of the stuff that happened. Um, I do. They say here the sport is smaller than it was in the salad days, and the future is troubling. Uh, what are they talking about? Are they talk about motorcycling in general. Yeah, I think they may be talking about in general. But um, the thing is, is that what we we'll, we won't know until the future happens. So that's one thing. The ISDE. Uh, I don't. I didn't mention this, although I. Sh- I had it to, to mention about three weeks ago. The women's ISDE team took top in, um, I think, their whole race. I can't remember. But the women's ISDE team, which is the International Six Days Enduro, they kicked butt. And then the men's Enduro, they took, uh, they basically took top honors too. But, but they didn't win, they didn't blow everybody out of the water, but they won uh, a few of their stages enough to to get the points. And it was the first time I believe that the men and women's team, like the USA swept the, uh, the race all together. And it's only the second time that the U S has won. And I believe that it's about 70 or like 90 years old. It's, it's been going on since motorcycles could go off road, um, which is 
basically when they were invented, they didn't have roads. Um, but anyway, so year of loss, uh, they mentioned a, d- a few more people than I mentioned. Um, uh, Dick Clamforth, which was the first three time winner of the Daytona 200. Um, you know, racer and journalist, Chris Carter. I didn't know Chris Carter. I mentioned Arlen S they mentioned, um, Jerry branch and Ron Sun and Bill Grassi, who are motocross racers. Uh, the Battle of the Twins road racer, David McClure. If you ever have a chance, go back and look at the 1980s Battle of the Twins and a uh, really good racing series. Um, Isla Man, uh, winner Mito, Mitsuo Ito, and, of course, Pikes Peak leading contender Carlin Dunn. Um, yeah, there's a few more people on here. I'm not going to go over everything. Um, but also... Uh, Cole Seeley, James Stewart, Marco Melandri, and Jorge Lorenzo all retired from racing this year. Uh, there's one thing I have to say is that I doubt James Stewart might be a development writer and a coach. We don't know, but his, you know, he was up and coming last decade. And then I forget what year it was when he, uh, basically got like a anti-doping thing against him. I think it was like 2017. I don't, I don't think it was that long ago. Um, and he never came back and we were just waiting for him to come back. It was like, he was, he kept us in the dark and just never came back. And I, I, it was a huge loss to the sport. He was one of my favorite motocross riders. Um, and he was so, so good. And then he finally just hung it up. And so we have his little brother to hopefully, um, hold out for, but I don't, I haven't seen, not that he sucks, but I just haven't seen the type of, um, you know, standout performance. People were talking about James Stewart left and right. So, um, yeah, the other thing about Jorge Lorenzo was that he came in 2010, took the championship away from Valentino Rossi. He, Rossi, and, uh, three years later in 2013 and 14, um, when Marquez came in, uh, there was a whole bunch of conspiracy theories. He really was one of the best riders and he was, you know, I, re- I used to really like Valentino Rossi. Uh, he hasn't won a championship since 2009. And honestly, I don't think he has won a race since 16 or 17. I mean, it's been a few dry years, uh, for him. Well, like a whole dry decade. So let me see. He came in first. Uh, Yeah. The best he finished was in 14, 15, and 16. Well, we'll get into that because we're going to get into Valentino Rossi over the last decade too. People uh, holding out hope for him, but you know he hasn't won since 2009. Um, but anyway, Lorenzo came in, and I thought he was going to be the next um, Rossi. Basically, he was a really talented rider um, and basically got caught up in this Mark Marquez thing. They started to bicker and fight. Then it was conspiracy theory that they were like – you know, in love, brothers, and, like, blocking, you know, Marquez was on Honda, and Rossi and Lorenzo were both on the Yamaha, and you could tell they were rivals already, and then when Valentino started making some really crazy claims, I think it was, like, in uh, 2015 and 16, he kind of went nuts, and, uh, you know, it just was like, what are you talking about? And so, um, anyway... Uh, make a long story short, Lorenzo and him 
uh, were not good buddies and forced, I think, Lorenzo to make some decisions that he shouldn't have made. And finally, he got hurt really bad. I think he jacked up his spine this year and spent a lot of time sitting out. And was like, dude, this is it. I'm just, you know, I, I think he knew he wasn't coming back uh, from this injury. A lot of people don't. You know, Rossi got injured um, like three years in a row, I think, and never made it come, never made it back. Um, so, uh, according to cycle news, their top 10 of 2019 was Briar Bauman winning the, um, the AFT twins, number one plate in in uh, American flat track. I think a lot of people thought it was going to come down between Meese again. And then Brian Smith went back to Kawasaki and there was a huge talk because that was the last great battle before Indian came on the scene and started sweeping everything like in 2015. Well, 16, 17, 18 and 19 has been Indians basically. And the last great battle was, uh, Brian Smith and Jared Meese. Um, and Brian Smith was on his Crosley Kawasaki. I think he went back to them and he's like, screw this. He's either going back to Harley or Indian this year. You know, I kind of, to be honest, man, like there's been a lot of drama with uh, with flat track and a lot of changes, and you're not even going to be, be able to watch it on Fans' Choice for free anymore. So uh, my engagement level, we'll have to see where that is this coming year. So with it's grown, and there's a lot of stuff happening, and Wiggs can talk about it because I'm not going to talk about um, only flat track on the show. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so Briar Bauman, who is a phenomenal racer, he was always really good. Um, and now that he joined the wrecking crew, it was just a matter of time before he caught up to Jared Meese, who last year took, uh, aside from being, um, DQ'd, I believe was on the podium every single time. So pretty amazing for Jared Meese and an accomplishment for his teammate, Briar Bauman. Um, the 25, their number nine countdown is the 25 years into the future. Fans will, uh, look to the record books and see that Dylan Ferrandis won the 250 CC Western regional supercross championship. Um, and the way that he run it is basically, uh, what everybody's talking about. A lot of moto fans, there's a hell of a, like, I think there's more, uh, moto podcasts out there than there are anything else. Uh, you know, when you're talking about like football, baseball and motocross, I think they're all about the same. So if you want to go hear about all that, go listen to a motocross podcast, just type in motocross and about 73,000 of them will pop up. Um, Carlin Dunn's fatal accident at this year's Pike peak, definitely a mark on the sport, not only because we lost a legend, but also because I think it did signal the end of motorcycles at Pikes Peak. And he was uh, such a great racer and such a great uh, set. So many records there just on bikes that he showed up on. He rode the very first time he won, he showed up there on it, had ridden there, <laughs> raced and won, and then rode home. So, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, number seven, um, the passing of Gene Romero, one of the uh, legends of American racing. Um, I believe on any Sunday focused around Gene Romero. I can't remember if it was him or Rice or Lawwell, but I'm pretty sure it was Romero that it was, uh, that it was focusing on. Um, he won 12 AMA nationals. Um, he only raced for 16 years. So he won, uh, only went four dry years during his whole career. Um, and back then, in the you know up until the 80s i believe the early 80s um you had to race road racing 
and you had to do TT and flat track to get that national champion. So it wasn't just that he went out and was a grand national champion in the GNC class. No, you had to race road racing and dirt track back then to get that title. So friggin' 12 AMA nationals is pretty good. Um, 2019 also, oh yeah, this is good. I didn't have this on my list of stuff, but this is definitely a feel good moment. Their number six moment is Wayne Rainey getting back on a modified Yamaha. Wayne Rainey, I think it was 93. He had a, a career-ending accident and a life-altering one. He's been in a wheelchair since. He's also never gotten away from motorcycling. And to get back on a motorcycle for the first time in 2019, phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Um, and then a terrible 2019 with Honda. Uh, MotoGP pundits and fans wondered if uh, Jorge Lorenzo would lose his seat for 2020, but he did not let anybody hang in the balance. No silly season stuff. He straight away announced that he didn't feel he could provide the results that the Honda could give. And I think it got to him all the game playing over the last five years, plus these crazy injuries and seeing everybody else get jacked up, um, and basically have to retire from injuries and stuff too. I think it kind of was the right choice for him. He might be a development writer like Casey Stoner did. And, you know, there's several people that have come back after their racing careers have ended to do other stuff. So we'll see. Uh, Number four, Harley Davidson released their first electric motorcycle dubbed the Livewire. Yes, like we said, that's huge because it's a huge shift for Harley Davidson who since 1903 has been uh, basically uh, just the American stereotype for um, big, fat, classic-looking motorcycles, you know? So electric bikes, and they actually embrace that marketing um, for whatever reason. They've never tried to branch out into ADV or sport bikes or anything like that. Buell was a separate company. He uses sports or motors, so that's one thing, but... Harley Davidson uh, dealerships really didn't like working on Buells. They considered it a different com- uh, company. Um, only in the seventies, when they were uh, rebadging Aramaki's, did they really embrace it with the Harley Davidson Sprint. And they were into like the two hundred and fifty stuff then. But now they're getting back into that. I think they learned their lesson. Uh, some forty or fifty years later, they are getting back into the essence of what people wanted back then. And it is what people want across the globe. Smaller bikes, more efficient bikes, and more fun bikes. Um, and so you don't have to be on a giant thing. I'm, I'm really stoked that they're doing electric, by the way, too. Because even if it's not the future, even if we go to fuel cell or something you know, in the future or some hybrid version, at least they gave it a try before anybody else um, put a bike out to market. I thought it was really important that they did that. Uh, number three, they already knew Mark Marquez was a generational talent, but his ni- uh, 2019 season was simply superlative. Um, he, he finished on the podium 18 times. I think there was only 19 races in this season. So he, I think he got, oh, I want to say he had a mechanical in one round this year and everything else. He finished first 12 times, I think, and finished second every other time. And then was only, only had a mechanical once. So 18 podiums out of 19 races. Uh, he ended the year with 420 points, which I believe is a record. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, in my opinion, 
Lorenzo could have been the Marquez, but Marquez came in. Lorenzo didn't like his riding style, complained a little too much instead of putting his head down and racing. And Marquez is, in my opinion, going to be the next Ago. So we'll see if he can break Augustini's record. Um, so, yeah. They're number two, Cooper Webb. He won the 2019 Monster Energy AMA Supercross Championship. Um he had a really good 2019. Like I said, uh, oh yeah, Cooper Webb. I just saw. I just saw. Uh, Anaheim one is coming up this weekend, and apparently he's ready to rock and roll. So uh, he became the 22nd rider to win the AMA Supercross title in the 46 year history of the series. Hmm. Pardon me. It is very late. Um, and then uh, number one, 91 years into the history of the ISDE. So it is. It, ha- it has been around for 90 years. Uh, the USA, when it's first, okay, 91 years into the history of the ISDE before the U.S. won its first title. Fortunately, we didn't have to wait that long to win again. Uh, as, we, as we mentioned, they won its second world trophy just three years after winning, winning the first and uh, they gave the the men's riders names, but unfortunately they, they didn't give the women's riders names. Um, oh yeah, they did. Tara Geiger, Brandy Richards, and Rebecca Sheets. Yeah, so they do, I guess. They won the women's trophy for America too. So the American dominance of the ISDE, which was one of the longest, uh, like I guess it's been around for like 95 or 96 years then. Um, they won the longest running races in the world. And USA swept the podium this year. So that's looking back uh, on 2019 from their perspective. Uh, let me see what I have here in my little notes because I think it's been a great year. Um, I'm super excited for 2020. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but this last year has been uh, pretty phenomenal. Um, okay, this decade, uh, a lot of stuff happened too. First off, let's kick it with 2010. Jorge Lorenzo. Coming in, uh, new. That's what happens when you step on the power switch, everybody. Sorry about that. Uh, anyway, I got a few notes here about the decade. So, yeah, let's kick it off right at 2010. I believe is where I was where I was saying. Um, Lorenzo comes in, and like I said, he was going to be my new fave. I really liked. Um, I really like Casey Stoner. And I like Troy. Well, Troy Bayless didn't race GP, but I, I, I like Stoner. I like the Australian. So I like Bayless. I like Stoner. Um, and I really like the way that they were they were riding, and I like the way that that Casey Stoner could handle the Ducati in MotoGP. When a lot of other people complained about Ducati, even way back when in the uh, uh, two decades ago. So Lorenzo comes in, and I really thought, you know, this guy can ride. I really liked um, his style, and I was getting sick of seeing Rossi and and uh, Stoner basically battle all the time. And who else? Oh, and Pedrosa. Um, and so basically, I was really excited. Uh, what happened though was uh, I really got engaged that year, and then the next year, a lot of up and comers. Simoncelli was racing. I believe Ben Spees was racing. Uh, and I also believe Colin Edwards was racing that year. So we had a lot of, um, we really had a lot of people in uh, MotoGP doing well at that time. I think Nicky Hayden was racing too, but he was not doing so hot, uh, if I remember correctly, in the aughts, like 2010. Let me see where Nicky Hayden was doing in 2010. Oh, yeah. Uh, he had left Honda, I believe, in 2010, and he was with uh, 
I think he went to Ducati in and then I think he left Honda in 2008 and I think it was with Ducati in uh from 20, 2009 to um 19 uh, 13 something like that. And so anyway, uh make a long story short, it was he wasn't really in the contention. He wasn't really uh somebody to look out for. It was all like Stoner and Rossi and I think Pedrosa, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, it was a crazy year. And also Simoncelli was up and coming. And Simoncelli was like the Marquez before Marquez because Marquez didn't come in until a couple years later. So Simoncelli was up there. And it was a terrible... This is the year I quit watching MotoGP on TV. It was 2011. Uh, Marco Simoncelli passed away. And man, it was... it was. I, did, I actually watched it the next year um, too the like first few rounds, I guess. And the support for Simoncelli after that was just crazy. He was such a cool guy. And I wish that he was still around because he was one of those guys that made, had the attitude and just happy go lucky guy. And he banged into people all the time, just like Marquez did for a while. And people were super pissed off at Marquez, just like they were pissed off at Simoncelli. And I think he got docked points even, and they talked about him in the press uh, press conferences afterwards about how he screwed me up here, he screwed me up there. But the thing was, he was this big, goofy, fun-loving guy, and that's how he rode. It was a little bit careless. Like, like if I think of Michael Dunlop uh, were to race MotoGP, that's how I think he would probably race. You know, just he's kind of banging in. If you read his book, you'll you'll know he's the same way. You you learn by. Uh, seeing where the edge is, and like I said, it's a lot like Mark 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 Marquez, but Simoncelli unfortunately was so tall that he overcorrected and came into the path of uh, Edwards and Rossi. And man, he he, it was terrible watching that race. I watched it live, um, and it was not fun to watch. And my they cut it. By the time my friend watched it, he said they had edited down so good because who needs to see that uh that same year like a month later uh no no i'm sorry a couple years later kurt caselli passed away and kurt caselli was also a fun loving guy a dirt guy he passed away in the baja 1000 it's believed that he hit a cow they said a large animal so uh let the chupacabra conspiracy theories come in um but i think that they determined it was probably a cow maybe a horse or a donkey or something like that something that they didn't find but um yeah he passed away at the scene there's been a lot of good that has come out of um losing people in the fact that they're making things a little safer they're trying to make things safer um, they are, the Kirk Caselli foundation is doing all sorts of great stuff for kids and for, uh, rider injuries and stuff like that. And the amount of safety stuff that goes into the Baja 1000 now is still dangerous as all hell, but the amount of safety stuff that goes into it, as far as like knowing where riders are at all times and that has just gone through the roof in the last decade since, um, the, the passing of these things. Um, course we lost Nikki Hayden in uh, 2017 he wasn't even racing MotoGP anymore he was racing uh I think he was with Ducati like I said from 2009 to 13 and then 14 and 15 he raced for the Aspar team I think which is like maybe the Angel Nieto who, who is one of the greatest uh also GP racers um I think that was his team and then in 16 he had gone to World Superbike and I think he might have sat in a couple times for like Jack Miller and somebody else, 
uh, for Honda, I think. Um, but he wasn't racing GP when he, he was racing world Superbike when he passed away, um, tragically hit by a car on a bicycle. So, um, it's terrible. And I think Angel Nieto wasn't racing either when he died. He, he fell off a quad or something. So wear your, wear your protective gear and hope that it's enough. Um, like I said, Jorge Lorenzo, he was also one of the guys I had marked down for the decade. Marquez. Now, Mark Marquez was a dude that has come in, um, I believe in 2013, 14, 15, 1, 16, I think maybe... Um, I should probably look this up, but I think maybe Lorenzo won in 16 and then he did it. Uh, Marquez came back in like 17, 18, 19 or something like that. I, I don't know. He's won a hell of a lot of, uh, of GPs since coming in and he was just this total unexpected guy. His very first uh, season, Lorenzo won in 2010, actually. It wasn't his first season, but in 2010, Lorenzo uh, won and set a points record of 383 and Pedrosa finished second, Rossi third. And that set the stage for this decade, right? So now it's funny to see um, Marquez winning this this year with 420 points. He's obviously set a new record. But yeah, Lorenzo was no, nobody to shake a stick at. And the battles that they had over the last decade were incredible. And I can't wait to see who's coming going to be coming up for 2020. I'm going to guess Quartararo. From what I know, he's doing pretty good. I mean, I can't predict anything at this point because I haven't watched GP in so long. But from what I read, I think uh, Marquez has to be watching out for Quartararo. And I thought Vinales for a little bit, but I'm not 100% sure about that now either. Um, so anyway, this last decade in GP has been crazy. Um, on the up-and-coming AFT and uh, all that great stuff has been happening. Uh, nobody mentioned this but Graham Jarvis. I think he's on my list. And uh, I think uh, Cycle News picked Mark Marquez as, as Rider of the Year for 2019. And I would almost say, for me, Rider of the Decade as well. He's made uh, the biggest impression on people. Everybody knows who he is. Everybody hates him because he came in. He was really, he was like the youngest rider. To win, I think he missed youngest GP winner or something like that. He missed some record by being the youngest. Maybe it was to win three. I I have no idea, but he he did has set a lot of records, and I think one of them was like the youngest GP winner or something like that. Um, so anyway, he he's going to be a force to reckon with, barring any tragic things that might happen or any career-ending injuries or something like that. He's already had a few injuries, like I think his both shoulders got. Uh, uh, operated on and he's only like 20 something right so I mean he's got a long way to go um, and hopefully he can stay um, strong and stay focused and I think he would be my pick as um, uh, writer of the decade and that goes hand in hand here's the, here's my other pick I was thinking Ryan Dungey uh, I think they said when I was reading the cycle news I think they said they might have picked um not, oh God, I'm going to get this wrong. I should look it up right now. I, yeah, I'm going to pause this and look it up because I don't want to get it wrong. But I was going to say, uh, I'm probably going to say the wrong name. Hang on one sec. God dang it. I can't find his name, but they uh, Chad Reed is who they're talking about. And I am I think, not Adam Cincerillo. Oh, fudge. I, I can't remember the guy's name, uh, but I was thinking they would pick him. Ryan Villapoto. 
Ryan Villapoto. That's who I thought they might pick for, I don't know for what reason, but um, I think they were, they were saying Chad Reed because all the crazy stuff that he's done. Uh, and I think they're comparing him to Ricky Carmichael uh, based off of his wins and stuff like that. So I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so Chad Reed would be their guy. I was going to say, uh, if not Marquez for me, who also got Rider of the Year twice um, on Cycle News issues, uh, it's Ryan Dungey for me. He's he's had a great, um, really, really great uh, decade, and I think he busted his spine and was uh, made, made Sportsman of the Year or Rider of the Year or something like that. Um, also, uh, Sports Illustrated Bodies episode uh, issue, um, he really, really was like a kid that didn't, um, before last decade kind of came in, uh, not remarkable in any way, but then year after year after year, um, up until 2017, uh, and had guys like Eli Tomac and, and, uh, a bunch of other guys that were, um, like Ann Villapoto and probably Chad Reed uh, that he was battling for and, and kind of just like became the top of the cream of the crop. And I don't know. He, he seemed like a really good rider to me. I think I would have picked him maybe as my dude for the decade. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick with, with, um, the, the kid Mark Marquez, I think for me. Um, so yeah, what else is on my list here? Blah, 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 blah. Let's get on. We're getting, we're getting up in time here and I need to talk about some more stuff. Um, another writer of the year, Peter Hickman and Dean Harrison, two people we probably don't hear a lot of here in the States, but they are the fastest men on two wheels. And they took the Ulster Grand Prix and made it the fastest road race in the world. I think in 2017, um, and then in 2018, turned around and went even faster at Isle of Man, bringing the title of fastest race in the world back to the Isle of Man. And, of course, we know last year, um, the Isle of Man, it was super wet. And so not a whole lot of records set. Uh, kind of a sad showing for Michael Dunlop. But he is one of my guys for the um, for the decade as well. He lost his dad in 2008, so just before last decade, but then he lost his brother 10 years later, so 2018. Uh, and now he is the last, uh, he's a vestige of racers, a race a dynasty, if you will, um, that includes his dad and then his uncle Joey and his brother William. Um, and he's a really good racer, but he didn't he didn't put up so well this year at the old um, the Isle of Man. But Peter Hickman did, and Dean Harrison did, and at the Ulster in the Northwest, they were both uh, slapping each other around. I didn't put on here um, Ian Hutchinson, but he I believe set a fast lap on uh, BMW at Isle of Man the year before, and then he got cancer. But he's another guy that I should have had on here. Um, Brad Baker. Another one, we lost a great to a spinal injury, um, not to mention a few flat trackers that Wiggins and I talked about uh, a couple few episodes ago. We're not going to recap uh, the whole last year and all the people that died, but it was a lot of racers that passed away in the, in the past few years. Um, Brad Baker, still with us, still recovering, um, and just... Uh, one of the up-and-comers that was really moving and shaking as Flat Track was making its triumphant comeback since its days in the in the 80s. Um, and then 
just happened to have a bad crash and uh, hurt his back, um, but he's still in it. He's still um, announcing and stuff like that, so that's good. Uh, I have Ryan Villapoto down here. He was uh, obviously an MX legend and uh, one of the, also one of the guys that you can hear the name getting thrown around like every other weekend um, when you're talking about uh, motocross greats. Um, Angel Sampi. I have her in here because last decade she came back. She raced in the early part of the, she raced in the very first part of the new millennium. You know, she was like around in the late nineties and the early two thousands. She stopped to have kids for a few years. And I think she lost a seat on her Suzuki team or whatever the hell she was riding, came back to take, uh, 2018 championship or something like that. Yeah. Or 2017. Anyway, came back out of retirement and won. And she is officially the winningest female in motorsports period, all motorsports, um, not just motorcycles. And so not only did she make a triumphant return, not only is she extremely obviously beautiful and talented and she's a mom uh on top of it but winningest female in motorsports despite all the danica patrick talk that wiggins made last year and all the um shana texture pumping up that we did last year too hoping that she would uh win the singles um is quietly angel sampy down there in louisiana going eight thousand miles an hour on a 12 bajillion horsepower um, drag bike. So, uh, somebody else that I have in here is Travis Pastrana never mentioned, but guess what? Puts on a hell of a show, nitro circus, um, all of his old stunt stuff. And, and if we're talking last year, um, he entered the super hooligans last year. He also recreated evil Knievel's jumps on an Indian last year. Uh, he also put on, um, there did a lot of, I think he put on the, one lap of hooligan. Wait, what was it called? Whatever it was at the Nitro World Circus, he had like a little, there was like a little kind of like a TT course on asphalt that was hooligan bikes. And so he put that on. Um, so really a legend doing even more legendary things to carry the sport of motorcycling into uh, this next millennium and into this next decade. So starting stuff. I think he started stuff last year that's going to make this... Um, like carry over into the next decade and just uh, kind of reinvent motorsports, period, like the X Games and all that stuff. I think he's going to do that with the Nitro Games and the Nitro Circus. He's going to make motorcycling great again. Uh, and, of course, Robbie Madison. I could not uh, do this podcast if it hadn't been for Mo- Robbie Madison. The very first day I had a stupid website, it was the Robbie Madison the day he rode out on a huge wave on a modified motorcycle. And I thought that is the impetus for creative writing right there. Well, not only that, I already knew what I wanted to showcase people that do extraordinary things, right? Ordinary writers doing extraordinary things. Um, and I have some extraordinary friends, but when I saw him ride that motorcycle on water, this is going to sound cheesy, but I got a little tear in my eye because I realized at that point, don't let anybody tell you you can't do something that sounds ludicrous and impossible because the only thing that's impossible is what 
you don't think is possible and you'll never know unless you try. So seeing him do that and almost get killed, incredible. And then uh, let's talk about some cinema over the past decade and what we can look forward to uh, in the coming years. So last decade we had uh, Why We Ride, great film, super good film. Um, Dust to Glory, that's another great film. Highly underrated probably and you can probably still catch it for free here and there. Uh, and it was really a good testament to the people that race. Like why it, it was almost like a, why we ride, why do we do stupid things on motorcycles for no reason? And it's because it, they're the ultimate test, man. Uh, on any Sunday, the next chapter, which actually featured Robbie Madison jumping down a friggin' ski jump that they do like the Olympic, like distance jumping. And he rode up, a, uh, if I'm not, not mistaken, he rode up a luge, I don't know what they call it, a luge track, a bobsled track. He rode up it and then went down the friggin' ski jump and jumped like 6,000 miles or something like that. He went into outer space and came around the earth three times and then landed back safely. So, uh, and I'm not kidding about that, like getting a little uh, tear of inspiration in my eye when he was riding on that wave. And I thought, man, if he can do this, I can do a podcast about him doing this. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about motorcycles. Um, the Honda Rebel, I have to say, I just saw a 500 Rebel riding on the freeway the other day. Honda Rebel has transcended uh, several decades and two different millennia now and then has come back and remained a staple in Honda's stable. So the Honda Rebel, we were just talking about it on Nokomoto being the like quintessential, not only beginner's bike, but the bike that doesn't give a F, right? And people that ride it don't give a F because they, uh, you start either on a Rebel or a Hawk in, in your MSF training here in the States. And I'm not sure about overseas, but um, just like a, a legendary bike. Everybody from like your toughest toughy to... Uh, like somebody who doesn't even end up riding, maybe rides a scooter or a Can-Am, probably took their test on a Honda Rebel or at least took their uh, safety class on a Honda Rebel. So, yeah, transcending time and space and design. Like, if you haven't seen a Honda Rebel um, customized, you haven't seen a Honda Rebel. Uh, Of the decade, the bike for me, my bike of the decade is the BMW um, S1000RR. The reason being is that you can't get on a Harley or an Indian or a freaking Grom for that matter without having the word IMU or some sort of, you know, proprietary name uh, used. And now Harley is actually using IMU, I believe, instead of um, trying to name it body control modular or whatever they've been calling it for the past few years. But BMW was the very first motorcycle to have... They called it wheelie control, I believe. And I've talked about this before and on the show a thousand times. Um, the first people with a real, I, th- I think it was a five-axis IMU at the time that controlled yaw and it controlled up and down over crests and it controlled ABS and it allowed, I don't think it was cornering braking. I think it was just engine management at, at the first. Um, I think it saw that when you were leaned over in a corner, we shouldn't be getting full power, otherwise that rear wheel is coming out, and you're going to high side or low side, depending on what happens. After that, they developed, they integrated it with their ABS, and you get cornering ABS. After that, they get slide control, 
uh, let me see. They get like yaw control. They get um, up at like like jump control, stoppy control. They get like they do all sorts of crazy stuff. And people, they it's like they unlock the door, and then people are like, ah, give us this key, and now everything has it. I think Ducati might have had some rudimentary ones in the beginning, but now they have them too. Yamaha was the first one, maybe with a six-axis IMU, but now KTM even has. Um, break like ABS for dirt and I think it's based on IMUs and even the aforementioned Honda Grom and Honda Monkeys have IMUs because the wheelbase is so short they don't want you to slam on the front brake and tip over so um, yeah a lot of weird stuff happening with that and now Indian uh, famously offering that on their uh, the new Chieftain or whatever the hell it is the Dark Horse I think that's what it's called Um, and then Harley Davidson trying to up their game by offering it on a lot of their, or a few of their 2020 bikes after Indian announced it last year. So, uh, yeah, if, now that every now the IMU is the new name of the game, and there's so many crazy different things that uh, you can do with them, and BMW was the first to have them. So for me, the bike of the decade is the BMW S1000RR and the Honda Rebel. Of all the bikes. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but uh, yeah, come on. Um, so let's see. Events of the decade. Like I said, the 2010 MotoGP season when Lorenzo uh, took over and set a record. Um, oops, I don't want to step on the switch again. He set a record and set a precedent for the decade in MotoGP. And MotoGP, I don't know if they had things called silly season before last decade or if that's something that got coined um, because of all the stuff that started happening around these yokels. But um, there's another movie called Hitting the Apex, I forgot to mention in my motorcycle cinema, uh, which focused on Stoner, Pedrosa, Lorenzo, and Rossi, I believe. Um, And maybe one more. One more, I can't remember. Uh, Let me see. I have it right here. Hitting the Apex. Um, yeah, it focused on six of the fastest riders at the pinnacle of the sport and it featured stoner Simoncelli. So, uh, that's the other person. Um, so Lorenzo Marquez, Pedrosa, Rossi, stoner and Simoncelli. And so I, they said six. Yep. That's six. I had to use my fingers to count that. So yeah. Uh, and actually of all those, Marquez is the only one who's left basically um, with the chance of becoming great for this next decade. Everybody else, I'm pretty sure Rossi's going to retire pretty soon. Um, let's talk about Rossi. Uh, hasn't, didn't win anything, won a race in the last decade, and that was it. His last championship was uh, 2008 and 2009 consecutively. And then the best he ever did after that was 14, 15, and 16. I know that sounds terrible, but he came in second place three years in a row on the Movistar um, Yamaha. And now he's moved over to the Monster Energy Yamaha and he finished seventh last season. So I don't know where he's going to finish, but he his, his best finish was fourth last decade, except for those three um, seconds in a row. And so that, the 14, 15, and 16 was his best chance to come back and uh, get a title and tie, would it be tying on Angel Nieto? I think he'd still be too short of, of not Angel Nieto, um, Giacomo Agostini's record. Um, and he's f- like 40 or 
going to be 41 this year or something. So I think Mark has, uh, has a legitimate chance to, to win, but obviously some Chile's not around anymore. Pedrosa retired last year. Um, uh, Lorenzo retired at the end of this year, you know, of, of this year that just passed. And, uh, who else did I say? Oh, and, uh, stoner obviously has been gone for quite a while. So, uh, yeah. So basically out of all that, the whole movie Marquez is the only dude, uh, left around that can probably, uh, do anything in this decade. Um, the 2015 and 16 supercross Ryan Dungey, going back to my man for the decade, my number two pick 31 consecutive podium finishes, um, from the 2015 into 16 season. Uh, yeah, 31 consecutive podium finishes. Now, Marquez finished on the podium all year last year, but he did miss a race due to a DNF. So even with that 19, uh, you know, he would have had to finish that 19th race on the podium to even have a shot at beating Ryan Dungey's record. So that's kind of crazy. Um, we'll have to see uh, what he can do, but man, like talk about 31 consecutive podium finishes. That's crazy. Um, what else happened this last decade? I don't know. You know, I'm not going to go over too much crazy stuff. We're going to, I'm going to talk with the group when we get back. Um, and in the meantime, why don't we do a little traffic, uh, with Gary Canary real quick and we will get back into wrapping up this show. I'm not going to make it a huge one. This is a junk pile. I might talk about some more crazy stuff here in a minute, but, but real quick, let's shoot it over to Gary. How about over to Gary? Hello, Junkie. Thanks. This is Gary Canary in the Bumper to Bumper Thumper. Uh, Brian got his license revoked over the holiday weekend, so we're no longer in GSX R600, Sky 600. Uh, the yellow helicopter bringing you traffic. <laughs> well, long story short, let's just get on to it. Where today, uh, we decided to head over here to Cleveland uh, based on your last guest of 2019. We're over here uh, headed down the Detroit Shoreway. Everything, oh, God, it's it's a crapshoot over here. Uh, whoa, we're, I don't think we're supposed to be fil- lane filtering, but we are. Uh, and don't worry, I still brought my machine gun with me just in case. We need to let these Cleveland drivers know what's up. You know, uh, Chris's friend David, no, I'm sorry, Jay's friend David, I believe we heard uh, a few months ago saying that Ohio drivers are the worst. And if you're headed, oh yeah, right now on the 90 toward the 42 uh, and the 480 on the beltway there right around Central, yeah, you, you're going to need a, mach- a machete also and a, a machine gun. Uh, if you're heading up on the 71, it gets bad as you approach the 90. Um, and uh, Ohio City, the Detroit Shoreway. Who knew the Detroit Shoreway was in Ohio? We thought it'd be in Michigan, right? So, uh, but yeah, if you're heading over to Central near the 422 and the 87 over by the 20, the 322, that whole area uh, looks like it's been hit with a nuke and uh, very, very bad heading into the downtown. Uh, Cleveland State University, we're so sorry you don't make any of the bowl games. The Browns are here somewhere in this in this crappy little part of town, so we're not, we're not sure what's going on. Anyway, uh, 
if you're headed over to uh, Bellari Puritus, uh, we, I think that's how you pronounce it, in, in the old Brooklyn area, getting out there on the 71 or the 176, you're looking at a real eye-opener. Uh, you'll want to make sure you turn around, head straight back into Cleveland and run into the nearest building. Uh, not not like get out of your car and run into the building. No, just run your car into the building because really there's nothing worth living for if you're headed south right now. Uh, on the east side, however, if you're headed over toward uh, the Calvary Cemetery, uh, out there on the 422 going that way, everything just looks peachy. You've got uh, Bohemian National Hall, uh, Willowilla Mindry School, and uh, Trailer Scrap Metals Incorporated looking just fine and peachy out there off the Troy Lee James Highway. Uh, and coming over the E55 toward Garden Valley and Kinsman, uh, we got a two-off in the lane here. Uh, somebody was trying to uh, ride a motorcycle, apparently, in this cold, shitty weather and uh, they just don't know how to do it. They might as well have been uh, a Californian in the first train. All right, well, we're out of here before... Oh, hang on one second. You son of a... Salt trucks! We got a salt truck on fire. I'm out of here. This is Gary Canary sitting in the back. You in the studio from the bumper to the bumper thumper. Back to uh, create trying. Take it away, junkie. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Gary Canary, and the bumper to bumper thumper, uh, GSXR or GSXR 600, the Squid riding around on the yellow bumper to bumper thumper, the only yellow motorcycle uh, reporting traffic from Cleveland right now that I know of. Uh, all right, and with that, I'd like to talk about some stuff that may be coming up next year, which might be we might have a news segment. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes. 2020 is going to be a pretty exciting year, actually. So uh, I do have an email from uh, P. Diddy, a.k.a. Paul Smith, who has wondering. Nope, oh, nope, that's his art challenge. Uh, Paul submitted some Patreon art, which is awesome looking, by the way. Thank you, Paul. I want to get to his one here where he's talking about writing. He just hit a um, million miles, I guess, on a Viffer. Does he really have a million miles? He might. So it's burr, it's cold, burrap. Um, maybe it's just my mind playing tricks on me. Shout out to the ghetto boys. But my bike is loving the crisp cold air with all its densely packed oxygen molecules. My million mile VFR is just sailing to work, but the cold temps have me tempted to get my heated gerbing gloves out of the closet. How are those fingerless gloves working for you? Well, basically the fingerless gloves are just for use around the office, which is also cold because I don't have heater in here. Uh, but uh, they work about as well as my assless chaps, which uh, fingerless gloves, assless chaps is two oxymorons, if you ask me. Um, so the uh, his fingertips are totally numb by the time he gets to work. And he had a new sensation of a completely numb forehead, probably because of the vents going straight through there. Um, with the time change a few weeks ago, I've been riding home in the dark, and that's when I discovered that all the bulbs in my instrument cluster are burned out, except for one in the top corner of my tack. Have a Merry Christmas and a Brappy New Year. Well, thank you so much, um, P.S. And I think I got another... He wasn't the only one that sent me... An email, but he did send me one earlier about some fixes that he did. But anyway, I can't find another email, so we'll just go with we'll just go with Paul's. But anyway, yeah. So he sent me an email, and I did want to remind all you out there: uh, the time change, yeah, really jacks with some people. Um, and it's been months now; it's been a couple months since it's happened. But uh, yeah, it gets darker earlier. I will have you know that we are 
out of winter, right? How far can you walk into the woods halfway? Because the other half you're walking out, right? So how far can you go into winter and in the depths of motorcycle-free depression? I know you. none of you can wait till you're back on two wheels, but some of you even rode on, on New Year's Day. I was surprised to see, uh, given the amount of rain that we got here a couple weeks ago, um, this last week was beautiful, actually. And when Jay and I rode up to the snow um, on the 29th, no, the 28th, um, it was nice down here. It was sunny. It was actually hot. I had to take off. I was layered up because I knew we were going to be going up about 3,000 feet in altitude. And so uh, I was layered up for it. And when I, we got back down to my house, man, I was sweating bullets. So it's been really nice since all the rain a couple weeks ago. Um, well, I don't know, three weeks ago now. Um, and so, uh, I did notice that a lot of people in Milwaukee went for new year's day rides. Um, our buddy Chris that I mentioned at the top of the show went for a ride there in New York. So what's up? I thought this crazy rain that we want, we got would be just creating havoc over, uh, the North and, uh, New England and all that stuff. But apparently, uh, it's not that bad and you guys are out there riding. So hallelujah, man. Um, here's to riding when you should be inside buried by 10 feet of snow. Um, and then other places like we mentioned Australia, it is just getting into their summer. So all the conditions that are happening over there, I hope they don't worsen with increasing heat and, uh, drought and all that stuff. Mudslides and rock slides have not been an issue necessarily for us here, but uh, plenty of rocks down on the road just naturally, not even in burn areas, just because uh, since all of our roads here are cut into the mountains, basically, um, they slide down and fall down the cliffs. So a few of the rides that I've went on in the past few weeks um, has just been... Um, you know, avoid them rocks and always be looking up when you're riding along the cliff edge. That's all I can say. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing in our way. If a couple of trees came down, it has been windy AF. So yeah, just these in- inclement, uh, inclement weathers, a low pressure system is moving in. So I don't know if it's going to be bringing us more rain, but we are really stocked up right now in the Sierra Nevadas. Um, as far as snow and our water levels here in California, I can only imagine that that's meant crazy snow for a few other places. Um, and surprisingly not, uh, the Midwest and the North and the East of all places, which I thought would just be buried. But, uh, yeah, hopefully it's mild for all of us. Um, I don't know what that means. Maybe that means an end to ice racing because it doesn't get cold enough. Or uh, I think last year it was too cold to ice race. So we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, at any rate, I hope that the riding season comes early and just is is awesome for all of us. Anaheim 1 is coming up this weekend. We're not going to do... uh, upcoming events and all that stuff. I'm going to cut this kind of short since it's a junk pile. But on the junk pile, um, I do like to cover my own agenda and talk about my own topics. However, tonight I'm just going to wrap it with that. Uh, hopefully, if Jay and Chris listen, uh, they don't, I don't think they listen to our show. So maybe they don't even know that I was talking smack about them uh, and all the dumb stuff they said last year and uh, what that means for Corrections Corner this year. But um, well, we will talk about uh, a wrap-up. I'm sure they'll want to throw their two cents in for who they think was the best of last year and uh, of the decade. Oh, um, and I, I ought to do it real quick, too. I know I said the BMW S1000RR. I forgot to mention the Kawasaki. Um, bringing a supercharged bike to uh, public consumption 
making a touring model out of it. And also stuff I didn't think would happen in any decade, the Nikon. Uh, another bike that uh, I never thought would really see the light of day. I mean, I kind of figured... I, I really didn't think Can-Ams and all that stuff would be that big of a hit either. Uh, but the Nikon, I really didn't expect Yamaha to pull something like that. I would have expected an electric bike before the Nikon. So I guess there are a couple of whoppers from this last decade. Uh, worst bikes, we'll talk about those hopefully when I have some backup. Because uh, I don't want... I don't want to feel stupid when I'm talking about how terrible the NM4 is and how stupid the um, couple other bikes that came out really were. Uh, but yeah, so we'll talk with the other other folks when we get back. Uh, we're going to have some interviews coming up next week. Our patrons, uh, you know what's going on, patrons, behind the scenes. Uh, we're going to have some really cool patron interviews coming up. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I think I'm going to get out of here. It's pretty late and I am pretty sleepy if you haven't heard me yawn 73,000 times. That's very unprofessional for a podcast host to do. So I better go get some Z's and let the show go through its editing process so I can pump it out and get it to you bright and early tomorrow morning. Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, Happy first podcast of 2020. And uh, here's looking to a new year. Hope. Yeah. All right. And with that, we're out of here. If you guys have any emails you want to send in, any corrections corners, what you think were the best bikes of the last year and the last decade, um, and any rides that you would love to see us do coming forward. Like Jay said, we're down to do some of these rides in 2020. We're going to get some stuff under our tires this year. And I mean that. We might even do some creative riding events this year if we can throw uh, some stuff together. All right. And with that, we're out of here and, uh, talk to you. See you next week. And until then ride cold, take some chances. That didn't make it. I'm out of here. Bye.